Welcome to I Thought I'd Be Rich By Now, the podcast for us to obsess. I'm your host, Deborah. If you enjoy this little independent podcast, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Happy Barbenheimer to all those that celebrate. As expected, theaters were at capacity everywhere for the opening of Oppenheimer and Barbie. I was able to see Oppenheimer on the weekend, but had to wait midweek to see Barbie. I'm so happy that I saw them in that order because Oppenheimer was so amazing as expected and so heavy. Like everyone said, you know, there were all these like memes leaving the theater, like looking shell-shocked. And that is exactly how you feel. You walk out, you're like, oh my God, like that. It was just so big. It was so heavy. The consequences of that obviously true story were like incredibly heavy so it was the opposite leaving barbie barbie felt so light so happy so fun so free so if you haven't seen them i would recommend seeing them in that order but regardless just see them no matter what if you've been living under a rock barbenheimer is this phenomena where barbie and oppenheimer are the two most anticipated movies of the year. I would say probably the two most anticipated movies since like before COVID. There's so much excitement or there was so much excitement before these movies came out. The hype was crazy and they were both coming out the same weekend, hence Barbenheimer. And so many people were talking about and excited about going to see a double feature, which you don't hear happen as often anymore, where basically people will go try to see two movies in one day if they can, or two movies in one weekend. Either way, there was like tons of overlap with the audiences because moviegoers were just excited. It's so nice to have something to be excited and happy about in movies and it's felt like for a long time that movies have been in a slump especially obviously to do with covid as well theaters took a huge hit and the thing is as we know like going to the movies is very expensive now unfortunately but also this showed that people are willing to spend that people are willing to go to the movies they just want something interesting and exciting to see and over the last like over the last decade obviously marvel and just superhero movies in general have owned the box office and so many of those are awesome and exciting and they were so fun but it just kept it felt like after a while, okay, they're just churning out the same the same or similar stories or related stories over and over and over again. And besides what is in the theater on streaming, so all of the superhero TV shows, all of the Star Wars shows, like all of these things are to do with like world building, like in the Marvel universe, in the Star Wars universe, it's it's just kind of this huge overwhelming type of stories and those can be really fun and they can also start to feel overwhelming and then even worse start to feel boring when you feel like you're just watching the same thing over and over and over again. So what Barbenheimer really showed movie studios and audiences is that people are craving original stories. They 
want to go to the movies. People are excited. You know, not everyone's like me that they absolutely love going to the movies because it's one of my favorite things to do. But a lot of people just want something to do on a Friday night, go out on the weekend, have a reason to just get out of the house and go do something fun. And one of the easiest things to do is go see a movie. But if you're not putting out something that audiences want to see or excited about, they're not going to spend that money. They're just going to stay home or they're going to just go to a restaurant or find something else to do. And I, I really, really hope that movie studios take that lesson to heart and not try to now go do 30 copies of Barbie and Oppenheimer. I mean, like, I don't know how you're going to copy Oppenheimer, but, but you know what I mean? Like, don't, don't just try to do the same thing again and replicate this only, you know, it's fine. I'm sure you're going to be able because I know that Mattel, which owns Barbie, has already signed on to do a Polly Pocket movie. That could be fun. We'll wait and see what happens. But let's not try to do now 30 like toy based movies. Look at directors and writers that have original, interesting scripts. Give those people a chance see what happens. People want to see original movies. People want to see interesting things. They are ready for something new. I I don't think superhero movies are ever going to be over. I enjoy them. A lot obvious, clearly like tons of people love them. That's what has made you know Disney so much money over the last few years or all the Marvel and Star Wars movies. But audiences want to be treated with respect and treated like they are deserving of quality in original programming. You don't want executives and producers just kind of like, yeah, we're going to just keep churning out the same storyline over and over again as long as it has some of your favorite characters in it and you're going to pay X amount of dollars no matter what and support us no matter what. Audiences want and deserve better quality films. So let's get into Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Barbie stars Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling. Margot Robbie, of course, plays Barbie, the main Barbie, stereotypical Barbie. Ryan Gosling plays the iconic Ken. This movie was written by Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach, and it was directed by Greta Gerwig, and she deserves all the awards for her direction and for her writing on this film. This movie also stars America Ferreira, Will Ferrell, Kate McKinnon, Issa Rae, Simu Liu, and Michael Sarah. I just want to point out that three of the main guys in this movie are all Canadian. Ryan Gosling, Simu Liu, and Michael Sarah. I was like I keep seeing that Barbie is really weird and bizarre and kind of a crazy storyline. And it's like yes, Barbie is about sentient dolls. Of course, it's going to be crazy. Of course, it's going to be ridiculous. And it is in such a smart way. I loved that Greta Gerwig leaned into the absurdity of it all. So they're going to have, so I am going to have some spoilers in this. I'm going to try not to spoil everything. Essentially, Barbie, played by Margot Robbie, lives in Barbie land with all the other Barbies this includes weird and obscure Barbies that have since been discontinued and even includes Kate McKinnon 
as like weird Barbie. So she's a Barbie that a little girl has played with a little too aggressively and looks like she's being drawn on and had her hair ripped out, etc. We all know every little girl knows what that Barbie looks like because we all had one. Barbie land looks like every little girl's dream, like everything they imagined as a little kid. And it's really fun. They live in like the Barbie dream houses. They they descend from their homes instead of going down the stairs. Like they descend just by floating down the same way a little girl would be holding her Barbie and bringing it to the floor. Barbie walks with her feet like she take uh, if you've seen the trailer obviously she takes her feet out of her high heels but her feet are still in that same position that all our Barbies were where like their feet are are arched so that you can put a high heel right on them. Barbie just has crazy dance parties and every you know whenever she feels like it and it's always girls night and it's always fun and everything's fun and lovely and happy and all the female Barbies like run the whole Barbie land. They're president, they're astronauts, teachers, scientists like they run everything and then the Ken dolls are just kind of like their friends and boyfriends on the side. And Barbie, of course, is always happy and is always positive. And these Barbies feel very fulfilled because they say Barbie is a feminist icon. And when Barbie was created, it fixed all of the problems in the real world for women. And so Barbies in Barbie land feel that all the human women are just, are just living amazing, perfect lives just like them. And they're running everything. But one day... At Barbie's party, she says something that makes all the Barbies concerned. She says, do you ever think about dying? And she has no idea why she said that or why she's had that thought. And then things start happening to Barbie that are so unexpected, but they figure out what's happened, what's kind of gone wrong. There's been a breach between Barbie land and the real world. And that means that whoever's playing with this stereotypical Barbie with her doll version in the real world, that person it has somehow breached that barrier and is passing her dark and sad emotions and thoughts over to Barbie, stereotypical Barbie in Barbie land. So she knows that in order to fix her life, in order to stop these changes and this breach from happening, she needs to travel from Barbie land to real world to confront the person who plays with her as a toy and kind of fix their problems so that everything can go back to normal. Long story short, when Barbie Barbie goes to the real world, she finds Ken, so Ryan Gosling, as a stowaway in her vehicle because he really wants to go with her because he is in love with her and it doesn't seem like she feels the same exact way about him. So he doesn't know who he is without Barbie and he always wants to be with her. And so she lets him go with her. So Barbie finds a little girl who owns her in the real world and her name is Sasha. I keep calling her a little girl, but she's like a maybe a tween in this film. And she's like a badass little girl <laughs> tween. And she's like, no, I don't play with you anymore. I haven't played with you in forever. I don't know who you are and what you're doing here. And also, you know, Barbie thinks like that she's changed everything. She's made the world perfect for all girls. And Sasha basically tells her off, tells her that is not the case at all. 
the little girl tells her, no, Barbie didn't fix anything. The world is still very hard for women. And Barbie is the reason that women have low self-confidence and they can never live up to Barbie's example. And this is shocking for stereotypical Barbie because in her mind, everything should be perfect. And Barbie has always just felt feelings of happiness and fulfillment. And in the real world, she all of a sudden has tears and feels sad for the first time in her entire life. She does not understand what's happening to her. So she's confronted with all of these new things that she had not expected. And it's a very hard fall for her to realize, oh, Barbies didn't fix everything. And women in the real world still struggle. And they realize that women aren't in charge of everything. Women aren't the presidents. They're not all the CEOs of companies. They're not the ones running everything. So that is a hard lesson for Barbie to learn. But on the other hand, it's amazing for Ken. In Barbie land, Ken and the men are not anything special. But when he comes to the real world, he realizes, oh, men run everything. This is amazing. He finds out what patriarchy is and he loves it. He's like, patriarchy's amazing. Uh, why can't we have more of this? Why can't we have it in Barbie land? And that's where Margot Robbie ends up meeting the little girl who is supposed to be the owner of her. She actually meets that little girl's mom and that's America Ferreira who in the movie works for Mattel is basically like the assistant or receptionist for Will Ferrell who's the CEO and they find out there's been a breach and there's a bar a real Barbie in the world now and America Ferreira admits to Barbie that she's the one who's had all of these kind of dark feelings and she's been doing some artwork and she created like depression Barbie um, on paper and that's those are kind of the feelings that have been passed on to um, Margot Robbie's Barbie character it's really crazy it's but it's really fun and it kind of makes sense in this insane way when you put it all together and I really loved that part of it I thought it was also hilarious that Ken discovers patriarchy and he's like enthralled by it he loves it anyways he goes back to barbie land before a stereotypical barbie goes back and he changes everything he ends up creating like a patriarchal system and all of the barbies are kind of enthralled like president barbie no longer wants to be president you know scientist barbie no longer wants to be scientist they just want to get beer and food for their kens and just stand around like pretty objects and so once your typical barbie gets back she's like what is happening this is crazy like you know where are all these changes why did this happen blah 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 so the rest of the story is them trying to figure out how to take barbie land back with the help of america ferrera um, and her daughter and just trying to figure out how to bring a matriarchal system back to Barbie land and to help women in the real world. This movie had so many laugh out loud scenes like uh, it was fun and I knew it would be funny but it, it was just still a bit unexpe unexpected. Ryan Gosling like no joke I'm not exaggerating deserves an Oscar for this role. I was saying this to other people but like his peers his other actors that are in the in that age range of like I'd say 35 to 45 years old that are prestige actors 
so many of them can do serious roles. Ryan Gosling has done so many serious roles, but he can also do hilarious roles and be in comedies. So many of his peers, some who have already won Oscars, Ryan Gosling can do what they do, but they cannot do what he can do. Ryan Gosling can be in super serious movies like First Man, Blade Runner 2049, The Place Beyond the Pines, and then go do amazing comedies like Crazy Stupid Love and like Barbie. He can be in these like super serious, focused, dark roles, and then he can go and be truly, incredibly funny and ridiculous in the Barbie movie and he legitimately deserves all the awards for this movie to be goofy in such a smart way takes so much talent comedy is the hardest genre for any actor and especially when you're not a professional like stand-up comedian to be able to take a role like this and kind of knock it out of the park I just think that it shows the breadth of talent that this guy is working with and his peers cannot touch him with that at all. Like so many people in his talent group cannot do comedies in the way that Ryan Gosling can do them. Margot Robbie, I love her as an actress. She's being good forever. And it's so funny. Everyone's like, Margot Robbie, Margot Robbie. Okay. Okay. Are you a Margot Robbie fan? Because tell me if you watched Pan Am back in the day. Tell me if you're one of the five people that watched Pan Am with starring her and Christina Ritchie. Did you watch that? No? Okay. So you're not as hardcore as I am. But I know her like real old school fans are the ones who used to watch her on the Australian soap opera Neighbors. Okay. I didn't watch that. So you can you can take your award there. But Margot Robbie has been amazing. I remember watching her in Pan Am and just thinking like, this woman is so gorgeous. She's so beautiful. She's going to be a star. And like soon after, I saw her um, in in The Wolf of Wall Street. And obviously then when she got the role as Harley Quinn in the Suicide Squad movie, that kind of like blasted her off into the stratosphere as a superstar and she's just kind of been steadily working and um, working and getting herself out there and doing all kinds of interesting different movies and I think Barbie has cemented Margot Robbie as a true true movie star as I've said before there are there are a lot fewer legitimate movie stars than there used to be back in like the 90s and early 2000s and Margot Robbie is one of those people. Also, she produces a lot. She produced one of my favorite shows of the last few years with Kat Dennings called Dollface. So if you have a chance to check it out, you should. It's really good. And Margot does have like a guest appearance in one of the episodes. Margot Robbie was perfect 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 for this role yes obviously she's an extremely beautiful woman but she is super talented and she really showed off her chops with Barbie Um, she's a very good comedic actress but also gave Barbie a lot of heart in some of the more emotional moments 
and I thought her tone was just incredible like she got it spot on everything she needed to do she did it yes this movie lives up to the hype for me I think everyone should see it it's so fun even if you don't think like the Barbie movie is going to be your jam if you never thought that like it's it's just such a good fun movie there's a lot of great actors in it Issa Rae who's one of my favorites I loved Insecure her show on HBO it's it was so good yeah, I'm so happy that Issa Rae was in it. She played the president. There are just a lot of like great people that you'll know their face when you see them, even if you don't know their name. Also, it's so funny because like obviously anything that's going to be this big, they're going to have all these takes and all these like essays written about what how people feel about them and whatever. Barbie has a very overt like feminist tone and, and feminist energy about it. They literally talk about the patriarchy several times and people have all these feelings about it either way there are people that call it oh like a girl boss movie in a derogatory way obviously everyone has their takes I have my own take I'm literally recording a podcast episode about it but my main takeaway is women are allowed to have fun okay people can just have fun like you don't need to agree with every single message in a movie just go and have fun and watch it and laugh and get over it like everyone doesn't have to take everything so seriously it's just like go to the movies have fun have a laugh like everyone has to make sure that they agree with every single lesson or thing in the movie like you can disagree with you know like there there was a there was a scene about where they talked about like motherhood and what motherhood meant to this one character and a lot of people afterwards like I don't agree with that that's not that's not what motherhood means to me or that's not what motherhood should be okay that's fine great like disagree with the message disagree with that scene still go enjoy the movie and it's funny because in one of the most memorable scenes in the movie is America Ferreira, who was also excellent. She has a scene where she, because Barbie kind of has a meltdown in Barbie Land when she just sees what Barbie Land has become with the patriarchy taking over it, and she just feels miserable and ugly and that she's not perfect. And America Ferreira has this monologue about all the ways in which women are expected to be perfect and all these contradictory all these contradictory ways that women are supposed to be supposed to be strong but not confrontational that like things like that and it and actually some of the blowback or criticism of Barbie really cemented what she said it was kind of like yes you want to have a Barbie movie but you want it to be perfect you want your Barbie to be gorgeous but not intimidating you want your Barbie movie to some people want your Barbie movie to have like a feminist point of view and then other people want Barbie to be like have in anti-feminist point of view I I don't even know it's just all of the different views that people want this one movie to have or want this one movie to hit all of these notes and if they don't then it should be like criticized forever and it's not perfect and it's just kind of funny because I don't know if Greta Gerwig or Noah Baumbach or both of them wrote that that monologue together but I wonder if they kind of laugh seeing 
some of the responses to their film because it really cements that that no matter what you do you cannot be perfect in everyone's eyes and that's just a good lesson like overall for all of us to internalize to realize like we will never live up to everyone's expectation of us we will never be everything to everyone so it's better to be true to yourself and to write your own story and to do what you want to do because regardless of what you do someone is going to criticize you or hate you for it or be mad at you and it's like why bend yourself into pretzels to make other people happy because even if you do that someone else will be disappointed in you or unhappy with your choices so just make the choices that you want some people will be happy some people will like it and some people will hate it there's literally nothing you can do to please everyone and and I'm sure Greta Gerwig and and Noah Baumbach like pissed off people with this movie and Margot Robbie I'm sure and yet millions and millions of people have come out to like see the film and the response has been amazing and so many people love it and it's like if that's not a message of do your own thing do what you want be happy make the choices you want people will always be mad like just enjoy your success and have fun who cares anyways that's my uh that's my lecture for today but yeah everyone should go see Barbie it was so fun although I spoke about this first in this podcast make sure to see it second after Oppenheimer yeah it seems super repetitive to keep saying but it's true Oppenheimer is quite an amazing movie it's it's truly an incredible film obviously the story uh, is amazing that it's a true story um, but the movie was done so well and it follows several aspects of the life of the theoretical physicist J. Robert Oppenheimer the lead scientist on the Manhattan Project the film follows Oppenheimer from when he was a professor at the University of California to then being chosen as the head person, head scientist on the project for the United States government creating the first atom bomb to be used in World War II. The movie, as I said, like explores different aspects that you're that you might not realize. Like when I was going to the movie, I thought it was going to be mostly just following them building the bomb but it actually was a lot more than that and it made the movie super interesting it shows how virulently anti-left wing anti-communist the united states government was and how that affected oppenheimer but also it shows the hypocrisy so in it it's a little bit of a spoiler but they show that um, Robert Oppenheimer had ties to the Communist Party. And obviously, whenever someone says ties, it's like very, you know, it has that undercurrent of being super involved. And he might not have been that involved at all, but it shows oh, that you have ties, that you've been to some event or you have friends or loved ones that are involved with this party and of course we all know that the United States government was extremely anti-communist so they had these certain suspicions about him um, didn't know if he would be a, the right fit for the Manhattan Project because of those ties but it exposed their hypocrisy because they were able to overlook that because they wanted to use 
his brain, his intelligence. He understood this very, very difficult field, this part of science that the majority of the entire world doesn't understand. And so they were fine using him, even with all of those communist ties, to build them the weapon that they wanted. Once the weapon was built, and after the fact, it wasn't that he wasn't known or respected, but there were a lot of people that eventually started running from being associated with him at all, including people that he considered to be friends and peers in the scientific community. So this film really shows and exposed the politics of the situation in his life later on. There were, of course, many people that still supported him, but there were those that it almost showed a naivete in him that he never expected to be treated in this way. And I don't even think maybe saying naivete is a wrong term because you would just think naturally a man of his stature, no matter what you feel about what he did to the U.S. government, he was so important. And you would think that he would have some sort of protection in terms of his reputation. Um, but without spoiling it, you'll see in the movie the roadblocks that he came up against afterwards when you think that when you would think that he would kind of probably have a free ride the rest of his life after his contribution to the United States winning World War II that he would never have to kind of answer to the government again about anything but it ended up being the complete opposite. So yeah the memes were right with this movie you do leave in this kind of in this like shell shock state you're like oh my gosh what did I just watch um and I mean it this has been an ongoing debate and questions amongst citizens scholars historians um, politicos all of that for years about if the United States was justified in dropping those bombs about the implications for dropping them what were the implications not dropping them and that will never end I left the theater like so many people did, having conversations about that, having debates about that, kind of going back and forth, thinking about um, thinking about what happened, the absolute devastating cost of human life, and debating whether there would be whether the outcome would have been worse not doing it. And it's just like this kind of crazy overwhelming huge topic to think about and to talk about amongst regular people because we are never included in those decisions those are decisions that are always made in in other places that we are not privy to and that we're not involved in so yeah it's quite uh, it's quite an overwhelming topic and that's why the movie feels overwhelming I think Christopher Nolan and, and I mean not just me clearly all the millions of of people that have watched it and critiqued it feel that Christopher Nolan really did capture how big those questions are and how overwhelming the feeling of being in charge of being part being the one of the most major parts of making a weapon like that and then seeing it dropped and seeing 
the chaos and absolute horror of what people went through and for Robert Oppenheimer it's not you're not watching something that you're uh, away from you're not watching something that doesn't touch you watching those people and what they went through it is literally because of what you did whether you feel justified or not justified in it thousands upon thousands of people died and suffered because of a project he was a part of so this movie was written by Christopher Nolan, Kai Bird, and Martin Sherwin. It was directed by Christopher Nolan. It stars Killian Murphy. This is Killian Murphy's, I believe, fifth or sixth film with Christopher Nolan. I didn't even realize at first he had done so many films with Christopher Nolan. Christopher Nolan like only releases a movie every several years and is obviously like one of the most respected and sought after directors out there in Hollywood so to see that Killian Murphy has worked with him so many times it just really speaks to obviously their relationship but to the level of trust they both have in each other and their talent because Killian Murphy is also known as an extremely talented uh, actor so it just made people even that much more excited to see him starring in this role because this is the first time he has starred in a Christopher Nolan film as like the lead actor it also starred emily blunt matt damon alden ehrenreich josh hartnett tony goldwyn jason clark florence Pugh, and so many other actors this is not the movie you would expect it in there are so many like stars that you see actors that you know their name or that you know their name or that you know their face and you don't know their name. Oh my gosh, I forgot to say one of the biggest ones, Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. was in this movie. I don't even think I realized that before going in to see it. And he had a really big role and it was excellent. And the, yeah, the movie's just filled with tons and tons of people that you um, that you know. So that's really cool. There's other also an actor that pops up that just won a huge Oscar a few years ago and you're not expecting him to be in it so when you see the movie you'll see i'm not spoiling anything about the movie oppenheimer made the bomb they dropped the bomb in japan you know all that it's just it's an exciting movie it's thrilling because it does go through them making the bomb the choices that lead up to it and the internal push and pull of this great amazing scientist using his level of education his level of understanding of this type of science that so few people in the world understand to make something that he knows is going to be absolutely devastating to human life it's yeah it's just a it's an extremely interesting film i think everyone should see it Killian Murphy like beyond excellent so excellent um everyone was though like everyone was Josh Hartnett so many people were going crazy online like so excited to see Josh Hartnett uh again so many people haven't seen him in years in films like when growing up Josh Hartnett was like the heartthrob guy that was in kind of every like or seemingly in like tons of teen young adult type movies 
But lots of people don't realize he's been acting for years or acted for years on a show called Penny Dreadful. I remember watching a bunch of it back in the day and it was really fun. It also starred Eva Green, um, who was in the original Bond movie with Daniel Craig, Casino Royale. Killian Murphy just does such an excellent job of playing this type of person that is so extremely intelligent and constantly just battling not even really battling he's he's fully into um, making this bomb being part of the Manhattan Project but also just showing what that must have been like for him it's just an incredibly like moving terrifying interesting film and whether you're a history buff or not whether you're into movies about World War II or not like I think you'll come away from this movie really happy that you saw it also, when are you going to get to see two movies that are going to go down as like some of the best movies, you know, I'm sure in like the last 20, 30 years and getting to see them in the same week, you should do it 20 years from now. You'll be like, I was there. I was there for Barbenheimer. Thank you so much for listening. I am so happy that we are finally getting the movies that we all deserve. Hopefully there will be some new and exciting movies and shows to still come out before the end of summer. Let me know what you're listening to podcast-wise and what you're reading. I am reading so many books, like reading and listening to audiobooks right now. So hopefully I'll be talking about some of those in the near future. As always, you can reach me on Instagram at I thought I'd be rich by now at Gmail. You can reach me an email at I thought I'd be rich by now at gmail.com and on Instagram at I thought I'd be rich by now. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate and review anywhere that you listen. Goodbye.